jacked into the Matrix, Terrell? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I am. You think you are? Yeah. Well, welcome to the Manny Podcast. Oh, God, I think it's episode 38 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. Um, I was trying to help Mom figure this out. Dylan out the other day because it was weird, and I finally had to just re-look it all up and found it. Good. Well, I'm glad that it's a hard podcast to find. Yeah, there needs to be that some barrier to entry. Most people aren't going to listen to it, which is better. That's true. All you people who are listening are not going to anymore. Yeah, congratulations, though. We love you. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Well, dude, I think we just go off the cuff today, buddy. Yeah. I'm We're in the middle of quarantine season. Yeah, and we still need to hit 400 DC podcasts. Yeah. Well, heck, we could probably just go off the cuff for the end of chapter three. Honestly. Oh, chapter three is so good, man. It is, man. And it's such an anchor point for every day. I hope a lot of people see <laughs> I that. I to say for the daily life, man. I hope a lot of people see that. I don't know if they will, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Shout out to Heath Opgood. I think he's starting to see that. Good job, Heath. Been reading the book. Doing his homework lessons. <laughs> Which is good. It's not going to regret that. No. It's not going to regret that at all. No, it's it's just solid stuff. Well, you know how Willard talks about the flight from God, mm-hmm. which is about where we were in the in in the uh, commentary on the third chapter. Yeah. And one of the things that I think about often and have a lot lately is how one of the biggest <laughs> he points out like one of the biggest problems with uh and and make no mistake it's a deliberate flight from god like people have like there was a transition that occurred where people were like yeah so we're gonna try to get rid of this whole yeah this whole christianity jesus thing and and uh because it'll make the world a better place mm-hmm as you could see, if you're living through our time, not exactly a great place <laughs> as far as like administrations and governments are concerned, which is mean? the problem because, well, it says it's a big issue whenever knowing who God is and walking with God and having a knowledge of God and wisdom from God are no, are not sought after, uh, are not sought after qualifications for people to be leaders in our society right? or to be teachers or to be anything. Like when you're interviewing for a job now, you're never asked the question like, do you know God? Right. Or are you known by God? Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. Oh, for sure. it's a big problem. And so you can yeah. people get away, you know, we got people in quote unquote leadership positions in the highest leadership positions all around the world that have no idea who he is. Yeah. And uh, have probably surrounded themselves with people who don't know who he is. Yeah. And 
that just doesn't bode well. Doesn't no. bode well at all. And it is an interesting thing that every job I've ever had in my life, I was never like a qualification to get that job was never, do you know God? Right. And there is what Willard says is the, the flight from God is staring you right in the face. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's just not important. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that has a trickle down effect. Yeah. Oh yeah. To society. Huge. A huge trickle down effect because Jesus is the smartest man who ever lived and he's the master of molecules and he is the creator of all the things that we see and all the things that we do not see. So it would be beneficial to consult him before making decisions. I would, if those things are true, <laughs> right? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you know, Willard, he just, he says it so, so well because it's never, it's never the, it's never the thought of, of uh, Jesus having all the answers, like for everything, you know, it's never the thought of him being the smartest man in the room and, um, divin like, you know, like the classic thought is divinity. Yeah. Check, you know, but like, yeah, smart. Eh, I mean, not. <laughs> Not necessary. And of course, you know, the beautiful point he's pointing out is like, well, but he is smart. Yes. Just like he is love. Like he is this thing, you know, like you don't like you, you get off the point when you don't think like that, like you are not being smart, <laughs> you know? Right. And so if the guy who's got all the answers is here, then clearly he's the smartest man in all of rooms. And, um, and the information he's bringing to you about specific things is the best information there is about those specific things. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting thing is, in the flight from God, I mean, it's, it's trickled so far as to, well, I mean, the majority of people that would be, you know, claiming to be Christian people would not put him in any of those categories, which no. is what Willard's saying, you know. Yes. And, um, and hell, even, I mean, even the way that we live our life personally, you know, like that, it's a telltale as to where you're seeing him right now, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so. Well, if you're not going to him, who are you going to? Exactly. Because yeah. you're going to somebody. Right. And um, so, or some source of information mm -hmm. as to how to how to live. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. Uh, whether that be the the news or, you know, mm -hmm. somebody higher else. Higher education or a talk show host or, a, you know, the presidential briefings or yeah. medical journals or 
Yeah. I just find it interesting that... Yeah. Uh, oh, we will go to anybody else. Right. Because, Especially in this age. Because like, like Willard says, like, of where you go automatically to find information about anything is who or what is Lord of your life. Yeah. And the fact that you don't automatically go to Jesus should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. Especially if you call yourself a Christian person. Yep. Um, now, if you don't, if you don't identify as a Christian person, and then, then you know, this should, nothing. This should be a shock to you. However, in our neck of the woods, yeah, everybody calls themselves a Christian. Yep. Yep. And uh, anyway, they but they don't automatically go to Jesus for their information yeah. about about life. Yeah, about most things. Yeah. And isn't that so simple? But it's like it. Sh- I I don't I don't think it hits everybody as hard as it should. I don't think so. But um, judging by the sheer, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's important. It's important. <laughs> it le- it leaves big gaping holes in life, if not, and it leaves a lot of doubt and fear, if not. Yep. Yeah. A lot, and I just hope that. <clears throat> You know, and a guy asked me yesterday, you know, sort of like what if I had heard, if I had been hearing anything from Jesus about all this stuff. And man, it was, you know, I don't really get asked that question a lot apart from like us hanging out, yeah. you and me. So I was like, oh, it was, it was kind of, it sort of, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I just got, I'm out in the wild and I just got asked this question. Uh huh. And I was like, well, you know, um, I was like, man, nothing's really changed for me yeah, on like a daily basis. So I'm like, I'm not like praying harder than I usually do. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, I've just, I was like, Jesus has been teaching me a lot about like farming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was just like, look on his face, like what? Yeah. I was like, I've been, he's been teaching me about how to get abundance. Yeah. And now I'm learning a lot about how important the soil is. Yep. For like a seed to grow, which yeah. he talks quite a bit about. Quite a bit about. And it's um, probably for. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I never, I'd never thought that you should start with like the, the health of the soil. Mm hmm. And so I'm learning a lot about that and try and learning how to be a proper steward and king over the land and the soil that I've been given. Mm-hmm. And dude, it, and I was like, I mean, if you want to connect that with like world events, you can, if you yep. want, but I was yeah. just like, man, honestly, like, and it was interesting cause I could tell he almost was like, I don't, I, it was like this, like we should all be thinking and praying about the coronavirus right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm talking about like, 
real life soil health and like the yeah. the, the the abundance of like seed bearing plants and fruit and and like all of that and i was just like and i would be doing this whether it was happening or not so like i you know it's and it may be a different approach but man I, you know we could probably you i, I want to hear your thoughts on where that takes you in uh in the next segment but i just it was an interesting thing because i kept feeling like the whole time like he was thinking that like almost as if like i was being irresponsible this would be the irresponsible yeah and um anyway i want to i want to hear what you um you can add to that yeah next we're back to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Go. Take it away, sax man. Take it, sax man. He's a little shy. He's a little shy. What do you think, Terrell? God, now I can't stop thinking about sax man. How great it was. I know. I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, um, yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing about that soil stuff is that, you know, I, the thing I really like about it, if we're going to go metaphorically here, which we don't have to, but, I mean, it's just kind of true because Jesus does refer to good soil often. And uh, the interesting thing about the way that most of those degenerate degenerates talk about the farming and the healthy soil is um, like the less tilling, like the less like blading up of the soil is a healthier soil. Yeah, there's which, more life in it. Right, which makes 100 percent sense. Which is why it's interesting that we're talking about it this morning in the way of like, well. As Stapleton would say, what are you listening to? You know, like the um, the amount of of tilling that we do to the old, like heart and soul, in the way that we listen to and ingest, and then you know, fling out in the way that we live according to those things that we bring into you know, heart and soul and that we are listening to and diving into and all that stuff. It's it's interesting because, I mean, just because you think it's going to produce a, like, yield a good, like, healthy market of things does not mean it should be ingested into your life. Like, the tilling that that's doing is not always good tilling. Like, that, honest to God, could be, like, Depending on what you have coming in, like depending on the time, like the tilling and the oftenness of it, like you can be ingesting like way more harm than good, you know. Yeah. You can be di like diluting and eroding the good soil underneath, like. Right. right. <laughs> and honest to God, buddy, there's so much content out there. Like, like, and let's let's stick within the genre. There's so much quote unquote like Christian content out there. Yeah. That you could, I mean. 
that the potatoes that you're producing out of oh, your, yeah. out well, of your your worth, soil, your yeah. your soil, are could be just so depleted of yeah of like good caloric intake and vitamins, if as the English would say, and other things that um, that you should stop, you know, and um, and you should uh, you should actually like let that soil rest, you know, and. Uh, and and let a good cover crop like you know like maybe just yeah maybe just read a bible or you know something like well, that what's, for what's a interesting while. about that Cheerful is that Jesus. Like, the maybe beautiful, just ask him yeah the beautiful thing about about soil health is the reducing of inputs yes to bring life back to it because and and that's that's been a really, really uh, stirring thing for me. Yeah, for sure. Because like... Reducing of inputs is a good way of saying it. Because in what, obviously, again, we're, we're crossing, we're blurring the lines between the health of your soul and the health of the soil. If you didn't get that. But, um, it, I mean, regenerating your soul is this, it's very similar mm. like the point is all year round no matter what month of the year it is you want to have a living root a green plant in the ground yeah and that is a completely revolutionary thought to me yes like just like that's the point well our lives haven't changed much during this whole thing this whole coronavirus thing yeah because we have a living, like there's a green plant all year round. Yeah. We didn't just start talking to Jesus. Right. And that makes a difference. Like our, we have a cover crop. Yeah. That was planted a long time ago and it's caused there to be great growth there. Yeah. And it's not a, it's, it, <laughs> you don't need to use synthetic fertilizers here. Right. Just because here's the thing, man, all of that is fake Yeah. and you're trying to increase and what they've, what they've found in soil biology is, um, it just suddenly occurred to me that nobody's going to be interested in this. However, <laughs> I know we are and that's all that matters. Yeah. This will age well for me, folks. It's our so podcast. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> yeah. It's our podcast. Is that the use of like synthetic fertilizers actually does not, at the end of the day, does not cause any any um, uh, greater production. Right. It just doesn't. It gives the it gives the appearance of it, but it doesn't actually yield a greater right. crop because what it does is it initially gives a there's like this quick growth, but then the actual reason why you plant a crop is for the fruit that it produces or the, or the vegetable it produces or the yield. And the yields actually, in most cases are less than from a, from a no, uh, in like a, a smaller input, no-till, permaculture regenerative system yeah um, don't rush a good thing right 
Because you can't. No, here's the thing. Like, you cannot rush a good thing. It's yeah. not just like, it's not even possible to do so. That's what people don't get. Because we live in a culture that's like, okay, this is where like, we can just go to the store yep. and grab the fruit that we want. Yep. And that's actually done more harm than good. Yeah. Precisely because we've never had the joy of waiting for that for that health to be there. For sure. And the reason why most people don't plant a seed and wait for it to yield fruit is because when it doesn't, they don't make the connection that their soil is unhealthy. Right. And that there's more work to be done yeah. to like actually make it to where they can. And um, instead it's just easier to go get it. And that's, but that's not how life works. Right. And that's not how soil works. Right. And that's not how fruit's going to be produced in your life. And so what ends up happening is the church building becomes the grocery store. Yep. And we go to the church building to grab that readily available whatever, even though that's all been, there's way too many inputs there. And it's way too synthetic and it's fertilizing and has maybe or maybe not there's good soil come from the guy that's talking up front. Probably not. And then at the end of the day, we uh times like these happen and we and we're screwed we don't know what to do yeah um because there's not good fruit there yeah where there's no there's no green root in the soil all year no and 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 probably not even at that moment i think you could even go a little further into it like throughout all season like yeah no no there's not a green root growing like there's not cover like there's not cover crop there's not anything going on there's only it's only yeah it's only there's only root in specific times at specific things and so it only shows that like the soil is then laid bare to rain corrosion and and wind corrosion and all the water doesn't infiltrate the soil exactly it doesn't hold on to moisture and so we call it drought yep when there's no rain that that's why our crops didn't grow but actually healthy soils retain moisture throughout the entire year. This is what these farmers in Australia are learning yeah. and have learned. Oh, like yeah. That stuff is fascinating to me. Yeah. That Western Australia gets like 17 centimeters of rain a year. Is that right? That's substantially less than where we're from. Substantially less. Substantially. I mean, that's basically nothing. We got that last and night how, in the if you've If you've seen any of <laughs> yeah. those, uh, YouTube videos of that Charles Massey guy who's in Western Australia. Yeah, I saw, I saw one. Have, did you see like the drone footage of like one of his paddocks versus the neighbors? Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's almost like it's it insane. shouldn't be real. Yeah. And he doesn't have, I mean that stuff like, honestly gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Cause it's like who he's on to something. That, not on to just farming, but yeah. on to what it means to live a life yeah. that's proper. You know, well, I mean, we got to stop here to get to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Say what you were going to say. Well, I was about to say, because is it, is it not the same in almost every facet? Because like, it's the same. If you try to get a healthy body, like out of, uh, out of a body that's unhealthy and out of shape, you can't do that quickly. No, you can't. And like, if you try to get, if you try to do that quickly, then it's not going to increase your inputs. It's not going to work. Well, A, it's not going to (laughs) work. You might get instant results in the first like month or two. And then after that, it's going to go downhill. It correlates to everything. Or it's going to be injury or it's going to be all these other things or nothing's going to happen whatsoever. And And so if you don't actually go about changing the soil, changing literally 
the body makeup. Take the time. Do it right. Take it right. Okay. And, um, and, it, and then again, it, it's important. It gets back to if you went to put all those inputs in there, who are you listening to? Yeah. Who convinced you that was the way to go? Mm-hmm. And that's the importance of uh, who you're being discipled yep. by. For sure. Oh, we'll stop there for now. Yep. So this is the perfect part to read some more from the chapter three of, of Divine Conspiracy. Because <clears throat> it brings it back around. So I'm just going to read it. Chapter three is the joke. To understand spirit as substance is of the utmost importance in our current world, which is so largely devoted to the ultimacy of matter. I mean, it's almost laughable at this moment. It means that spirit is something that exists in its own right, to some degree in the human case, and absolutely so with God. Thoughts, feelings, willings, and their developments are so many dimensions of this spiritual substance, which exercises a power that is outside the physical. Space is occupied by it, and it may manifest itself there as it chooses. This is how Jesus sees our world. It is, a, it is part of his gospel. Because we are spiritual beings, as just explained, it is for our good, individually and collectively, to live our lives in interactive dependence upon God and under His kingdom rule. Every kind of life, from the cabbage to the water buffalo, lives from a certain world that is suited to it. It is called that world by what it is. There alone is where its well-being lies. Cut off from this special world, it languishes and eventually dies. This is how the call to spirituality comes to us. We ought to be spiritual in every aspect of our lives because our world is the spiritual one. It is what we are suited to. Thus Paul, from his profound grasp of human existence, counsels us to fill your mind with the visible. The flesh is death, but to fill your mind with the spirit is life and peace, Romans 8, 6. Yeah. As we increasingly integrate our life into the spiritual world of God, our life increasingly takes on the substance of the eternal the substance of the eternal. We are destined for a time when our life will be entirely sustained from spiritual realities and no longer dependent in any way upon the physical. Our dying or mortal condition will have been exchanged for an undying one and death will be absorbed in victory. And this is what's great. This is Willard says, so there's the picture, the picture of God's world, the world of the spirit, which pause that and listen to it again if you need to. Because it's important, because now he goes into the problem of the human quandary, is what he calls it. And how different the human life that we've always known is from that one that we just mm -hmm. explained. Because he says, of course, that destiny flatly contradicts the usual human outlook. So let's describe the usual human outlook. And in our time of, uh, of the uh, beer virus, What's the usual human outlook? It's not hard. Everybody's playing their cards right now. Yeah. You could see it. Yep. Or what everyone knows to be the case. So what does everybody know to be the case? He describes it as a life of quiet desperation. Yeah. We uh, are hopeless. We find our world to be one where we hardly count at all, where what we do makes little difference, and where what we really love is unattainable or certainly is not secure. 
we become frantic or despairing. <laughs> I mean, that and that's the usual. You just painted a picture of what we are seeing. That is the basis. usual human outlook. Yep. What everybody knows to be true. Yep. And this is great. In his book, The Doors of Deception, Aldous Huxley, Huxley remarks, most men and women leave lives at worst so painful, at the best so monotonous, poor and limited, that the urge to escape, the longing to transcend themselves, if only for a few moments, is and has always been one of the principal appetites of the soul. <laughs> How true is that? Yeah. And this is what's amazing. He actually says this, Huxley was sure that the urge to escape from selfhood and the environment is in almost everyone almost all the time. Therefore, the need for frequent chemical vacations from intolerable selfhood and repulsive surroundings would never change. The human need could only be met in his view by the discovery of a new drug that would relieve our suffering species without doing more harm than good in the long run. Hence the book Brave New World. Right which is obviously Huxley, but look around you. Yep. Everybody's searching for a new yep. drug. It's true. You know, everybody's self-medicating. Mm -hmm. Not only just to try to beat the coronavirus, but dude, everybody all the time. Opioids, oh, yeah. addiction. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's rampant. Alcohol, drugs, yeah. everything. We, we had a front row seat to the abuses of, of chemical substances. Yeah, front row. As police officers. But the whole point, here's the reason. Why are people doing it? Because they live these lives of quiet desperation. Yep. They're hopeless. Mm -hmm. They just want to find a door in the wall, like yep. he says, of the life that entombs them, which looks really like death. And that's the normal human life, you know? So what's the... This is what's beautiful, man. So Willard just freaking gets it. Yeah. We become frantic or despairing. We find our world to be one where we hardly count at all, where what we do makes little difference, and where what we really love is unattainable or certainly is not secure. How many it. people feel secure right now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what's the answer? Well, just try not to love anything. Yeah. Or hold on to anything. I mean, it's not whatever. Yeah. But the world that Jesus opens to humanity and still holds open to those who seek it is precisely the world that is the solution to this. To mind or the minding of the spirit is life and peace, precisely because it locates us in a world adequate to our nature as ceaselessly creative beings under God. The mind of the flesh, on the other hand, is a living death. To it, the heavens are closed. It sees only that inverted bowl they call the sky, where under crawling cooped we live and die. It restricts us to the visible, physical world where what our hearts demand can never be. Yep. There, as Tolstoy saw with disgust, we find we constantly must violate our conscience in order to survive. And I think this is one of the most important, important points. I definitely want to hear what you have to say about it. Because I think this is what, this may be one of the most important sentences in the whole chapter, in my opinion. Jesus, by contrast, brings us into a world without fear. Now think about that for a second. Yeah. 
And this has been my beef with this whole thing this whole time, is that fear has been politicized. Yep. It's been marketed. Yep. Very well. Very well. Everybody's afraid of this whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but Jesus brings us into a world without fear. Which When that guy was asking me that the other day. Like, I'm not a... Like, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. Right. And therefore, like, it's not only that fear is not an option, but it's just not present. It's not real. Right. Fear is not the reality. Yeah. In his world, in Jesus' world, astonishingly, there's nothing evil we must do in order to thrive. He lived and invites us to live in an undying world where it is safe to do and be good. Yeah. That, I love that. Yeah. Because, man, how many people feel like they have to do evil to secure themselves in times like these? Apparently most. And Jesus brings us into a world without fear. Yep. I think that that's, like, unfathomable for most people. For sure. How, like, at this point in time... Oh, I just rejoice in the fact that the fear is not present. Not yeah. even, it's just not, not even a possibility. Yeah. You know, like my mind is set on other things. Yeah. Which is why, like, I'm not sharing that collective consciousness of mankind right now of the buying what's being sold to me. Yeah. Which is fear. I mean, like, in the fact that that's not, like, I don't buy that because that's not the world I'm actually living in. Right. I think that's what's, have we explained that well enough? Like, I don't know. I think that's hard. I think that's hard to understand. Yeah, it is. That it's not just, we're not talking about something that we're trying to like, that's trying to be lived in. Right. It actually is the existence. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty necessary to understand the, like, yeah. I mean, that is necessary to understand if you're going to have a nonchalantness about, like, this sort of stuff, you know. Because it's got nothing to do with, like, a weird pride thing, you know. Like, it actually just has to do with, like, a, like, not just, like, a sound life where you can do good and be good. Be, for good's sake, like, because he's the king of it, and, like, he is good, you know, and so it's, it's, um, it changes, it changes the entire environment of it, like, and, you know, and the beautiful thing is, is it, like, anybody's welcome for that, you know? Yes. And that's actually, like, and that's what Willard's saying, is, like, the, the world that he has invited us into and still does, is that's, that's the freedom you find there. It's actually, um, it's the freedom from all that. It's the solution yeah. to the life of hopeless desperation. Yeah, absolutely. Thus, our posture of confident reliance, confident reliance upon him and all we do allows us to make our life undying, of eternal worth, integrated into the eternal vistas and movements of the spirit. Human existence understood in the context of this full world of God, all things visible and invisible, to use the biblical language, can be as good as we naturally hope for it to be and think it ought to be. 
though perhaps not in the precise terms that, we would, that would first come to our minds. In far better terms, really, because God is constantly poised to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or imagine mm. in terms of the energy that is working in us. Yeah. And we'll finish out this whole thing in the next segment talking about how death itself has been dismissed yeah. and how we can be, we're, I, I think this whole idea of being like arrogant or being um, like our posture in all times, not just this one yes. being misunderstood is, is, is totally wrapped up in the simple fact that we are utterly convinced that Jesus himself has beat death. Yep. And therefore there's nothing to fear. Yeah. But that's where we go next. So we're going to call this for what it is. For what it is. Everybody's afraid to die. Everybody. So we've been sold a bill of goods known as fear. And the problem is, is that now the politicization of death has occurred in our society, in the world, which is astonishing. Yeah. It's happening all around the world right now. Yeah. And uh, actually, we should be careless about death. Yeah. Because if we live in God's full world, it is reality. Death has lost its sting. Mm-hmm. Death has no more victory because Jesus is alive right now. And that's where you need to go with this. Yep. And if you have full confidence in him, then you live in a world without fear, or you should. Yep. Once we have grasped our situation in God's full world, the startling disregard Jesus and the New Testament writers had for physical death suddenly makes sense. Paul bluntly states, as we have just seen, that Jesus abolished death, simply did away with it. <laughs> Nothing like what is usually understood as death will happen to those who have entered his life. To one group of his day, who believed that physical death was the cessation of individual existence, Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Mm. His meaning was that those who love and are loved by God are not allowed to cease to exist because they are God's creatures. He delights in them and intends to hold on to them. He has even prepared for them an individualized eternal work in his vast universe. At this present time, the eternally creative Christ is preparing places for his human sisters and brothers to join him. Some are already there, no doubt busy with him in his great works. We can hardly think that they are mere watchers. On the day he died, he covenanted with another man being killed along with him to meet that very day in a place he called paradise. Mm. This term carries the suggestion of a lovely garden-like area. Yeah. Too many are tempted to dismiss what Jesus says is just pretty words. But those who think it unrealistic are, or impossible are more, are more short on imagination than they are in logic. They should have a close look at the universe God has already brought into being before they decide he could not arrange for the future life of which the Bible speaks. Anyone who realizes that reality is God's and has seen a little bit of what God has already done will understand that such a phrase as paradise would be no problem at all. And there, God will preserve every one of his treasured friends in the wholeness of their personal existence precisely because he treasures them in that form. Mm -hmm. Could he enjoy their fellowship? Could they serve him if they were dead? Now, of course, if one simply doesn't believe in the God we've been talking about, then one must make of Jesus whatever one can. This, unfortunately, is all too common. 
perhaps people should be required to say when they begin to interpret Jesus, whether they believe in his God or not. Yep. Then we would have a pretty good idea of what to expect. Jesus said, those who rely on him and have received the kind of life that flows in him will never experience death. Such persons, he said, will never see death, never taste death. On another occasion, he simply says that everyone living and believing in me shall never die. So as we think of our life and make plans for it, we should not be anticipating going through some terrible event called death to be avoided at all costs, even though it can't be avoided. Boom. And what are we all doing right now? We're all freaking sitting around in our houses, planning not to die. Yep. Even though we're all gonna die. Yeah. Why? Why, Terrell? Oh, I don't have it because we're afraid. Because <laughs> we're afraid. Because everybody's afraid of it. Because we don't believe anything that Jesus taught. No. You can't. Again, it goes back. Yeah to the fact of what are you going to do with Jesus. Right. <sighs> yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, is like throughout... What's been happening for the last freaking... Oh, yeah. What's been going on? Like, it just... There is zero, zero fruit that the nonprofit organization Formula as a church has produced yeah. zero in our culture. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, God, I don't want to have to go there cause it pisses me. Oh uh, yeah. Let's not even go there. The, well, the interesting thing is because, because <sighs> here's the interesting thing, Phil, like what's the answer for this stuff, right? Like the real one, it's what we've been talking about. Like, no, 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 no. Like the problem legitimately with, this virus is that it's clinging to people with bad soil, right? Like, well, and we don't even have to go that far down that road. But the point is, is like the answer is the same answer that it's been all along. Like, no, treat, like, literally be a healthy person. Have good soil, spiritually, physically, and guess what? probably going to be okay and if you're not you weren't going to be okay in the first place and it's okay well, too. well i mean it's not like you were going to avoid exactly this the the physical death of your body exactly so uh, you know so like where are you gonna where else are you gonna go with that you well know? i'm seeing that's what i'm saying man it's like it's like so what do you what were you doing yeah that's the question you know, all that this do is doing is bringing to the surface what was really going on. It just, it just bugs me. Oh yeah, well I mean you can, you can ask my wife how insanely like how much it's bugged me, but but the point is, is that um, everybody's afraid to die. Yeah, yeah. I about to say this. This should be pointing out everybody like. Like, that's what this is. The mass freakout is because everybody's afraid of dying. Like, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to go any further down that road. Like, that's what this is showing. Yes. Everybody's afraid of it. And that is the usual attitude for human beings. Yep. Is what Willard says. What attitude? We anticipate going through some terrible event called death 
and we try to avoid it at all costs, yep. even though it can't be avoided at all costs. At all Isn't costs. that interesting? At the cost of an economy. Literally, like it's costing everything right now yeah. on a world scale. Yeah. The avoidance of death. Dude, I hope everybody connects that. Like it's so relevant right now. What's up? I mean, you know what I'm crazy? Yeah. Like it is literally at all costs yes. trying to be avoided. Yeah. What a bunch of weak people we are. Mm -hmm. But let's end it with this. We'll let Willard say it. But immersed in Christ, who is active, we may be sure that our life, yes, that familiar one we are each so well acquainted with, will never stop. We should be anticipating what we will be doing 300 or 1,000 or 10,000 years from now in this marvelous universe. Could this be the actual truth? Jesus' word to us would most certainly be, you need to believe it. We are never ceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in the full world of God. We will leave our present body at, at a certain point. And our going and what we leave behind will not seem pleasant to those who care for us. But we are at that point, as Paul also says, simply absent from the body and present with the Lord. Mm. Early Christians spoke of their condition at physical death as being asleep. We are then, as we say even now, of a sleeping person dead to this world. To those who remain behind, there is an obvious if superficial similarity between the body of one who sleeps and that of one who has stepped into the full world of God. But there was no intention in this language to say, we will be unconscious. Consciousness continues while we are asleep, and likewise when we sleep in Jesus. The difference is simply a matter of what we are conscious of. In fact, the physical death we become conscious and enjoy a richness of experience we have never known before. The American evangelist Dwight Moody remarked towards the end of his life, One day soon you will hear that I am dead. Do not believe it. Do not believe it. I will then be alive as I never was before. When the two guards came to take Dietrich Bonhoeffer to the gallows, he briefly took a friend aside to say, This is the end, but for me it is the beginning of life. How then are we to think about the transition? Failure to have a way of thinking about it is one of the things that continues to make it dreadful, even to those who have every confidence in Jesus. The unimaginable is naturally frightening to us. But there are two pictures that I believe to be accurate as well as helpful. They can help us know what to expect as we leave our tent or our body. One was made famous by Peter Marshall some years ago. It is the picture of a child playing in the evening among her toys. Gradually, she grows weary and lays her head down for a moment of rest, lazily continuing to play. The next thing she experiences or tastes is the morning light of a new day, flooding the bed in the room where her mother or father took her. Interestingly, we never remember falling asleep. We do not see it. We don't taste it. Those wonderful things of the new world are even now as they shall be then. They are immortal and eternal, and the souls who shall then be made conscious of them will see them in their calmness and their majesty where they have never been. The life then begun, we know, will last forever. It surely, if memory be to us then what it is now, that will be a day much to be observed unto the Lord on all ages of eternity. It will be our birthday into God's full world. And I'll just end it there. Uh, probably the issue here 
is that the life we're living now is a life that is godless. It's a life that has no eternality to it. And so it's impossible for us to see eternal life. Um, it's a life full of death. And that's too bad. It's too bad. It's too bad that we're afraid. And we don't have to be afraid, you know. We don't. Any, any closing words there, Professor? No, you know, I, yeah, just couldn't really say it much better. So as we end this one for today, you don't have to be afraid. And if you are afraid, just track that down. Yeah, just follow it. Put that up with the words of Jesus and like, are you going to trust him or are you not? That's all there is to it. Or are you trying to avoid death at all costs, which is what our whole world is doing right now? Mm-hmm. Interesting. We love you. Love you.